This is Reimagining Higher Education, your go-to podcast with remarkable education leaders sharing personal stories from their experience in and around the sector, including reflection and evidence for progress in the sector. With your host, Studiosity's founder and president of Friends of Libraries Australia, Jack Goodman. Well, welcome, Hillary. It is lovely to see you, and you're looking very well, I might add. So thank you for taking the time to do this today. Yeah, thank you. Well, we usually start these interviews off by um, asking the interviewee to share uh, an object or something in their life that's had some significance or importance to them that might be a starting point for a conversation about themselves and then about the, their educational journey. So have you brought something along? I have. I, I didn't expect it to be the start, but here we go. And you can see it, I think. Let me. The Fatal Shore. Oh, it's a fabulous book. Yeah, Robert Hughes. Absolutely. And you've got the hardback, I can see. I've got the hardback, but. Oh, is it inscribed? Yes. It what, was... Can you read that to us? Yes. It says, with many thanks for all you've done for geography at Plymouth and every best wish for the future. And it's signed by basically the whole geography department in Plymouth um, in 1987 when I moved to Australia. And they chose to give me the fatal shore. <laughs> Had you ever read the book before then? No, I hadn't. And what did you and think? I loved it. Yeah, yeah. It's an amazing, it's an amazing book. And it, it's, yeah, it's a classic, isn't it? It is. I mean, they gave me other things too. Um, they they all tried to draw a map of Australia, which was quite interesting. And they they put it in a card and framed it for me. These are these and are geography experts. These are right? geography experts. Yes. That's <laughs> and right. how did they do? Well, there was a distinct generational difference. So the older staff members were pretty good at, at drawing the map of Australia and the younger ones weren't. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> geography wasn't being taught the same way. Obviously. No, no, that's right. Geography changed quite a lot from you know, ex expecting people to know the capitals of all the countries and which one was the longest river and yeah. uh, what was the name of the sea that separated X from Y. Right. So, uh, yes, it, it, it was quite stark. I couldn't find that particular. That's, I or else I'd have bought it with me instead well, that's, of sure. So that's a that's a um, that's a really interesting um, item to have brought along, and I think it does draw us into this. You know, the first thing I'm a little bit curious about knowing knowing um, a little bit about your background, but maybe you could share a little bit about um, obviously, I guess, growing up in the UK and being educated in the UK and then making this big shift, which has apparently been a lifetime shift since you've been here for, I guess, since 1987 then, is that right? 25 years. Wow. Can you tell us, yeah, a little bit about the, you know, your education growing up and where in the UK and what that was like? Yeah, that was, that was interesting. I was talking to our research group yesterday and I started off by saying I was a precocious brat. Um, <laughs> a brat. Which is probably true. And I think if you ask my elder siblings, they would say the same. Um, so I, yeah, I was reading at three, you know, did my mm -hmm. 11 plus at nine, that type of thing. Um, but 
in England, so we we were in um, the in East Anglia when I was a child up to about the age of nine, mm-hmm. and then moved to the Midlands, and and so that was quite that was quite traumatic for me at nine because I was very ensconced in my little circle and um, then moving what seemed to be a long way, which of course is no distance at all by Australian standards. Yeah, it's next door. It <laughs> <laughs> was, was traumatic for me. But I, 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 went, to, I went to Oxford as an yeah. undergraduate and, and as a postgrad. And I really just followed the, the, the drive for, for learning about geography, which I think came in almost my first um, geography lesson in high school. What, what, we, what was the appeal of geography in high school? Well, I was just from the very first lesson, I was fascinated um, because we were learning about the southeast of England, another place not very far away. Yep. Um, the landscape was different. The um, the houses, the crops. We had pictures of oast houses where people, you know, mm-hmm. dealt with the the hops that were used for brewing. I I just thought it's the the difference between these places that were so far apart mm-hmm. um, just just grabbed me. So some and it com- still does, and it still does. So some combination of the the the, the the, the history component of geography and the, and the, the, the human element and, yes. and, and trying yes. to imagine what the world was like that long ago. And That's I'm, really interesting. Do you remember, do you remember, remember that, that, that teacher that sparked that interest? Yes. Her name was Miss Breen, but I don't know what her first name was because you didn't in those days. <laughs> and she so, so you ended up at, at, at Oxford for both your undergraduate and postgraduate years. So you spent a lot of time there. Then, what, what was what was that like? How would you describe Oxford? I guess that was what what when no. Oxford in the, the late seven, late seventies or early eighties. Seventies. We're talking a, a long time ago, and and we're talking a, of a time when a very small percentage of people went to university. Right. And an even smaller percentage obviously went to Oxford and Cambridge. And then when you took the women, that was about 10% of my geography cohort. Right. Wow. So it was a special, you know, a really special thing to do. And and I went there, I was 17 by the time I went there. Um, and I I think. I suppose I've got rose-colored spectacles, but it was, you know, a time that was really quite blissful. I had a government grant, mm-hmm. which wasn't wealth untold, but it, it covered all the covered basic. all your costs. Yeah. Um it was the full on-campus experience. Mm-hmm. You were in one of the colleges. Uh yes, what well, I, like everybody. I lived. You lived in the college. Uh, I lived in college. Um, yeah. in ate different... all the ate all the food with all the other students in the college mm, hall. Yeah, the food wasn't always great, um, but it it was there. <laughs> it, it was, was really... England in the nineteen seventies, and it was college yeah. food, I suppose. Yeah, that's that's right. But 
I think it was it was really easy compared to how undergraduates have to work now. Mm-hmm. So in even my first two years of postgraduate work, when I stayed in Oxford, I stayed on to do a DPhil, they call it there. Yes. Um, and I was there for two years. So you've got a community all around you, you've got a social life, you've got no pressures to work, you're not juggling family things. Um, but after the first two years, when I actually wasn't in Oxford, it became much harder, I think, because you haven't got all those supports around you. I hadn't got the lower research room, which is where where I sat. You hadn't mm-hmm. got those people to help you. Were you um, out in the field or where, did, where were you for the third year? Um, no, I wasn't in the field then. No, I'd moved down to Sussex, so oh, okay. down, to the, down to the southeast. Okay. Um, I did do some field work in France, but that was only really um, a couple of months, um, just collecting some census data. Um, So I I think, you know, my undergraduate time was really lovely. You know, I played hockey. I went to to punting. Mm -hmm. You know, the social life was great. Learned to drink. Oh, my supervisor to drink. That sounds terrible, but you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I drank things like pims for the first time, and my supervisor. That's a thing. Garden parties with pims, right? Yeah, yeah. that's not a gin and tonic you've got there, though, right? No, it's water. <laughs> yeah, me too. Cheers. Um, but isn't that's a really interesting experience? And it seems like a long way from the. Uh, experiences you must have had when you when you left Plymouth and then decided to come to Australia and the places you've worked at here what was it just just sort of skipping ahead what you know what brought you to Australia can you share that with with us jobs and I came with my my then husband he got a job at the University of New England yeah and he said do you want to go to Australia do you want to get married and I said yes and then um you know which took about a couple of seconds and then it took months to actually sort things out and right. know, sell houses and get visas and have medicals and mm-hmm. do all those things so wow. I actually gave up my job which was whatever a tenure job was in in Plymouth at those days on the assumption that Australia was not going to be a fatal shore but would be a, a right. shore opportunity and indeed, yeah did you how did you you know, the book, what did you think of the significance of the book when you start, started to read it, I suppose, and the, the message that your your uh, peers were sending you by giving you that particular book about Australian history? I thought it was just, oh, it was done in good part, you know, it was good yeah. humor. I didn't, I didn't think they were, some of them came out, actually came out to visit and do sabbaticals. Yeah. So, I mean, was it a culture shock, or how, what, how would you describe the the transition to Australia? And you've and you've worked now at at many Australian universities, but they've been yeah. for the most part in I guess in regional Australia or yeah. and, and and South Australia as well. But mm. um, would that be accurate? Yes. Yeah. So mm. um, none in metropolitan areas. Yeah. I did. I did have an opportunity to work in Sydney at one point and decided 
I didn't want to. Yeah. Um, but but you, do you, spend, you prefer yeah. the regions. What, what was it? What is it about the, the regions or regional education? And just for our, our uh, listeners or viewers, I've been at uh, Central Queensland CQ University, uh, mm -hmm. I think, and you were at UNE, I guess, for a while when you first came. Uh, I was. I just had a fellowship there. I was only there for six months, and okay. then, um, then I got a job at Wollongong. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and my first contract there was for three weeks. Wow, um, that's a short one. What can, you, what can short you do? One. What can you do in three weeks? I don't know. I think I must have been filling in for somebody. I can't. I can't remember the details of that. And then it was one semester, and then and then it was the real thing. Right. But you were asking, was it a culture shock? And I think no, not really. Um, partly because I am a geographer, and mm -hmm. partly because I read a lot, and um, I think I knew what to expect. Um, I pretty much knew what to expect, although I had just watched um, Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> and um, and what, what did that, that, that got think? me more worried than The Fatal Shore, to be honest. Fair enough. Um, but, but I found that universities were actually really very, on the whole, very nice places to work, mm -hmm. you know, that you didn't get the the sort of rampant misogyny that that you do get in um, that you did at the time yet in other workplaces mm -hmm. um, although it's I'm not saying it's been ideal for women but they were better workplaces than many others as far as I could see mm -hmm. um, and what I did like was that there was there was much less class distinction than you get in the UK and, and that you still get in the UK. Mm -hmm. And I, I do remember somebody, uh, you know, an eminent-ish visitor who'd come out to Australia from England and I found had been at Oxford about the same time as me. And she was, you know, she was quite chatty and she said, and which school did you go to? And when I said I went to convent grammar school in the middle of Wolverhampton that mm -hmm. that was now demolished for an urban motorway um she wasn't interested anymore yeah. it still yeah. mattered you know despite all the things I'd done in between it still yeah. mattered to her that I hadn't gone to a posh school right so you, you you've got the sense that Australia doesn't have uh a sort of class-based system in the same way that the UK not does. in the same way it's not yeah. as I mean, it is it is there. Of course, it's there. Yeah. Um, but it's not it's not as overt. It's not as in your face. It's yeah. not like it's, people's first question isn't about which school you went to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's the second or third. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, usually, they don't care. They yeah. Don't no, care. I, I hear it's you. More about, it's more of a meritocracy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, and yeah. I like that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But you, so you spent of all the, the universities you've worked at, where have you spent the most most time? Newcastle. Newcastle. I, spent, yeah. I was ten years at Newcastle. Yeah. Like, okay. Through the nineties, nineteen last century. Yeah, last century. But nineteen ninety one yeah. to two thousand and one. And I guess Newcastle, and then also um, CQ. Were you in were you in Rockhampton for that stretch of time, or is that where you? I based? did. I did go to Rockhampton. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And I went to Adelaide from Ad 
Yeah, was that was that UniSA or was that UniSA? Well, I went. I was at Flinders for a couple of years. At Flinders as well. Got coached yeah. by Denise Bradley. All right. Oh, that's a name from the past. Lovely. Yeah, she was fantastic, wasn't she? She was an amazing leader. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. How have you seen the the sector here change? You've seen it. You've really had an interesting um, sort of observer's eye, and you've you've moved around, and you you you've really probably been one of the more more um, had more of a varied observer's perspective and participants' perspective from the late yeah. '80s to now. What's what, what what would you say have been the big the big transformational moments for the higher well, here? Eighty. I think it was 88 that this, the sector was just going through the Dawkins reforms. Right. And, and so that was a start. I think that was the start away from the, the small elite system that I was describing right. in England to a much, a much more massified, a much more equitable system and it was the time when the CAEs the Institutes of Technology yes. came into the university sector right they merged in right yeah that's, and we that's started right. this, this process of growing to much yeah. larger institutions yes that's right and so right. there were amalgamations and some worked better than others and some mm -hmm. you know some didn't work at all um but but most did. I mean, UniSA, I think, was an mm -hmm. amalgamation of about five different institutions, right. Institutes right. of Technology and the CAEs. And one of the things that did was to bring far more women into the sector mm -hmm. because most of the education and nursing students were female right. and still are. And so you had a shift not only in terms of size, but this m massive shift in terms of um, discipline and and gender. Mm -hmm. But at that time, you still had mainly mainly men in the in the senior positions, in the professorial positions, and mainly young women right. um, as students. It's not always not particularly healthy um, type of balance. So that was that was a really big one. And I, I'm sure I didn't really understand what was going on at the right. time. Right. But, um, you know, looking back, I think that was a, a big shift. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a huge shift. And obviously what, what you know, we've been sort of living the Dawkins reforms ever since. Mm. Uh, universities mm. have gotten bigger and bigger. And then Denise Bradley's widening participation agenda, maybe that's another big milestone there. And so... We've seen a huge increase in domestic students in the last 10 years, certainly. Yes, that's right. And uh, big efforts to try and and bring in disadvantaged groups. And I think that that's one of the things that, that drives me. I see education as being not quite a silver bullet, but almost the closest thing we've got to it to combat disadvantage. Mm -hmm. And that's... One of the things I like about regional universities that they are they're such powerhouses to um, you know provide professionals for the local workforce. Right. Um, you know they they bring people in they 
And I think in a way this goes back to the Dawkins reforms. They provide those pathways for people. Newcastle had an enabling program. Uh, and at some point I chaired the board for that. Had an enabling program with 1500 students in it when I was yeah. there. So these were yeah. people who, who for some reason, you know, hadn't got a year 12 qualification, um, who'd been disadvantaged in some way, um, who were indigenous, dis mm -hmm. had disabilities, what, whatever, um, or just had an interrupted education. You know, that was fantastic. I had a, I had a student who started in the enabling program, went through the geography, I think it was Bachelor of Arts she did, with the geography major, went on, did a PhD with me, you know, and and it transformed her life. Um, and it transformed her life in some predictable ways too, because she got, grew completely apart from the man she'd married because she wasn't, she was no longer yeah. a woman that he'd married. Right. Okay. Well, it's, it's, it's an interesting, it's, it, uh, it's a really interesting point and there's no doubt that regional universities have a particularly powerful role to play because they tend to be the only game in town and mm. there, there are lots of choices. And we know there is a significant gap in educational achievement between the regions and metropolitan Australia. It's something like 25 or 30%. It's just really, really substantial mm. and persistent. Yeah. So I was gonna say, if, there's, if there was something you could change for students right now, and I guess maybe mostly for regional, thinking in the context of regional Australia, that's really where your expertise is and experience. What, what would it be that you would change? Uh, the, the, the funding, um, you know, especially students who, who want to do things that the previous government didn't perceive as being particularly valuable, you know, the, the fees, the debts that they're racking up, uh, and I'd like them not to have have to juggle, you know, small kids and aging yeah. parents and work and study. Yeah. Um, you know, at, at CDU, only 4% of our students are school leavers. 4%. Percent. Yeah. Yep. Um, the exact opposite of, of, uh, of Oxford. I would guess that there are almost no percent that aren't school leavers at Oxford. No, I think there was one in my cohort of about one. 90. Okay, almost none. Yeah, right. So you really, you really, I realize, I guess it's the luxury experience that that that, that we've had, right? That yeah. those of us who had that school leaving yeah. on campus, I, I, I think condensed that, years mm, with no I responsibilities that, other than learning. I think that's the main main thing that that I would like to change, but I. I don't think that's realistic because right. you, know, you can't go you can't go back to where right. we were, and it was only a very tiny proportion of people that had had right. the benefit of, of that experience. And the city of Darwin is not Oxford, England, and it never will be. Or the Northern Territory is could, could <laughs> not be Territory, sort of further. Certainly not. You don't get that much variation in landscape, you know, in in a hundred kilometers. That's right. <laughs> Right. So it's a very different, it's a very different kind of a, of an institution and a, and a, and a purpose really. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, the nice thing is that, you know, students do enjoy it. They, and they love, they love their, 
teaching staff, whether it's whether it's face to face. For some people, it's it's never face to face. You know, if you live in Yundabu or Nurumbai mm-hmm. or Echo Island, right? It's never face to face. It's never going to be face to face. No, it it can't be. Well, um, speaking of all of all of all of that and what that student experience is like. Um, since it happens to be in the news this week, I thought maybe we just talked just briefly about uh, about the uh, the quilt data that just came out and has just been reported on. And I'm just sort of wondering if that gives you any sort of insights or thoughts about about the the student experience. And, you know, thinking about CDU and and things that 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 are going well, or things that you might like to see uh, changed for for these students who have got so many competing priorities and so many challenges that they face. Well, then, then I think the good thing is that CDU's results are really, really quite good. And we also use the net promoter score, which yeah. is a very simple yeah. measure, you know, mm-hmm. would, would you recommend to your right. family or friends? And, yeah. and, and yes, they would. Um, so those two things are, are good. And when we dig down and see, well, what is, what is it that you like? And it is mostly the teaching staff, and it's mm-hmm. the te- it's the quality of the teaching staff, the passion of the teaching staff yeah. that that seems to shape their experience most up here. Um, and that's partly because you know they haven't got a hockey team to join because right. they're doing all these other things, and they right. you know they haven't got the the, the same sort of social life because their social life revolves around you know the people they know from picking up their own kids from school or or whatever it is it it is it is different um the, the the nice thing about here is that we can because we're small we can do things differently you know we've got some some lovely pathway programs yep um, and it's a dual sector institute too, right? I mean, it's dual it's, sector, yeah. Yeah, and and so you can make a, a difference to a lot of people's lives, and a lot of people don't want they don't want and they need the three year degree, right? A um, short something shorter or more need, more, more achievable, yeah. And and that gives them a set of competencies, a set of skills, um, a ticket, yeah. Uh, that they can use. So you're thinking that this whole current wave of sort of micro-credentials and stackable qualifications is something that's got particular appeal in the territory? Well, we can, well, you can certainly do it in the vocational sector very easily yeah. because, again, people are often not looking for a full you know, advanced diploma. They're looking for, for more bite-sized pieces that right. will actually enable them to work. And there's such a demand for labour out yeah. there. Yeah. Such a demand. And, and that is obviously affecting all universities at the moment because when unemployment is low, um, then uh, people are going into work rather people than... People are more inclined to take, take a building, job. And... Building their qualifications. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think part of the reason also that, that, that CDU seems to have this strong relationship with students is that it's, it's you know it's probably got a, a slightly different or maybe quite a very a very different balance between its research and teaching agendas 
uh, compared to maybe some of the bigger urban universities, more focused on the, the students and the, the, the teaching and learning? Well, or is that totally wrong? Uh, I wouldn't underestimate the research at, at um, CDU. Uh, CDU with, with Menzies School of Health Research, because the two are, are combined, I mean, you know, 65 million odd in, in research funding is, uh, would be considerably more than any of the run group at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's in about the middle of the pack for the IRU. So it's the research is significant, and but I I do feel that we concentrate on really good research elements for the territory. Mm -hmm. So you know the, what the Molly Centre does in terms of birthing on country for First Nations people, um, the work that's being done on drones, um, which is an amazing tool for. A territory that's you know six times the size of Britain, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> with a population of less than a million. Yeah. So some of the the environmental work, you know, crocodile. Um, crocodiles There's a lot of them. They There's really need to come back, haven't they? Well, yes. Now they're no longer hunted. Right. Um, so I, I think yeah, don't underestimate the research that's done up here. It's pretty. It's pretty sensational for the size of the mm -hmm. does it does it inform the teaching and learning experience for the students or do you feel like they're they're relatively relatively separate it doesn't it does in some areas um as i said you know the environmental stuff the engineering defense first nations and um, the first nations work done to the northern institute is is phenomenal mm -hmm. um, so yeah it does in some places, some but not, you know, not in others. Uh, and I think you will find that almost everywhere. I don't think, you know, that research in business areas tends to inform, you know, mass business teaching. Uh, yeah, yeah. Look, before I let you go, we're, we're nearly at the end of time here, but before I let you go, I thought I'd ask you sort of a, a, a final two-part question. Ooh. You've had an amazing career. Um, it's still going. That's remarkable. And you've done some incredible things. Uh, and I just think that where you've traveled and, and, and what you've achieved is, is something that is obviously to be celebrated. And um, congratulations on your, your AM, I guess. That was just this year. That was exciting. So obviously, yeah. I'm not the only one to think that you've, you've, you've achieved a lot. But, but if you were able to go back in time and give your younger self a piece of advice, what would that be? And then if you were thinking about providing any similar advice to uh, aspiring leaders at, in Australian universities, what, what would that look like? Good question. Um, well, I think for me, following something, you know, following the geography that I felt passionate about, um, is is a is a really good piece of advice to follow your passion because unless you you know really enthusiastic and knowledgeable about what you're teaching what you're researching um, it it comes across you know 
you're just doing it. And the people who sort of say, do accounting or hotel management or something because, because their families want them to go into the family business, um, it doesn't really cut it. I know a couple of a couple of lads down in who were UniSA graduates in architecture, and a great disappointment to their parents because they decided to set up a gin distillery. Mm. And they're doing extraordinarily well. And it's great. I have no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> that's a growing sector. Yeah, that's that's right. But also it's something about about being authentic. Mm -hmm. um, know, know who you are, know what your identity is, um, and be be true to that. And don't don't be sort of artificial. Um, that's a hard thing. That's hard. it's easier said than done in a in in the academy, isn't it? I mean, it's it's yeah. a, it's a, it, it is. But in your own in your own workplace, in your own with your own team, mm -hmm. um, with with the university, possibly um, not so much on a on a public stage. But if you're going to be a leader, you've got to you've got to have that both the passion and the authenticity. I think. Okay. Um, but yeah. also, I mean, a great belief that education makes the world a better place. And that's what we're here for. We're here for the students. We're here to make, to make the world a better place. Pay it forward. Well, on, and on that note, I would like to just thank you very much for your time. I think we are, can all agree that that is absolutely what we're here to do, which is to pay it forward. And that's a lovely expression. And, um, and thank you so much for your time today, Hillary. It's been lovely, lovely catching up. And I really wish you the best of luck at, at CDU. And I'm sure you're going to help continue on its journey. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jack. Visit studiosity.com studentsfirst for the next Students First Symposium, an open forum for faculty, staff, and academics to candidly discuss and progress the issues that matter most in higher education. studiosity.com studentsfirst